anyone that agrees with that prayer? Come on, shout and give God glory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I know our music department, our band, and our choir, our music director, his team, I know they all work extremely hard. Can we just go ahead and encourage them? Let's thank God for their obedience today. All of those are the right songs for today. I want you, before you're seated, to just build somebody up today. Speak life into them. Tell them something good. Compliment them. Find something nice to say. And then you can be seated. Praise God. Excellent praise and worship today. Just lit my candle. While you're being seated, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll read verses 24 through 27 out of the Message Bible. I want to read my text before I give you the title today. I believe this is an assignment uh, from God, and I'm just interested and really looking forward. We had a great first service, really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with you all on today. I know it's good. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the Message Bible. Uh, best way to follow along is the YouVersion Bible app. If you go right there, go to the events section, click on Linked Up Church, you'll see an outline there. The outline is there. You can fill in the blanks, add your own notes to that. That's the best way to follow along uh, with the message on today. Version Bible app. We have Wi-Fi access in here. You can download it very quickly if you don't have it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the message Bible says, You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs... One wins. Run to win. I don't know about you all, but I gave my life to Christ because I like winning. And I wanted to win in life. And so I came to Christ because I believed Christ could make me a winner. How many of y'all know, if you're born again today... You're born again because God saved you so that you can win in every single area of your life. That is his will, his plan, and his purpose for your life is that you win in every aspect of it. So he says run to win. You know, my daughter ran track. And so the best thing I ever heard one of her coaches tell her was to learn how to run your race. Stay in your lane and run your race. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Stay focused on your lane and run your race. So oftentimes we get distracted by what race someone else is running and we lose focus on the race that God has called us to run. If you run your race, how I many you know he can help you win at your race? He can't help you win somebody else's race, but he can help you win your race. So the title of my message today is Run to Win says, all good athletes train hard. All good athletes train hard. I mean, you know, all training requires discipline. So all good athletes train hard. Now, they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. The King James Version says they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it to obtain a incorruptible crown. Notice, we both should train hard, whether it's 
for a race as an athlete or living our lives as Christians. Both require training that challenges us and discipline that goes along with that. And so they do it for their purposes. We have to do it for our purposes. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor to stay alert. Stay in top condition. Notice what he says here. I'm not going to get caught napping. Look at another neighbor and tell him to stay woke. Tell him don't get caught sleeping. Now he's going to describe to you in the Message Bible what that looks like. Telling everyone else about it and then missing out on it myself. We never want to get to a place where we tell everyone else about how good God is. And we never experience it for ourselves. We definitely, didn't want, we definitely don't want to lead people to Christ and then end up missing heaven ourselves. Right? So we've got to train hard. We must maintain certain disciplines. Right? Inside the word discipline is the word disciple. It's a follower of Christ. It's a disciplined student of the gospel. Today we're going to look at seven disciplines you need to win your race. Not somebody else's, your race. Discipline number one, feed your spirit daily. Feed your spirit daily. Every good athlete knows that nutrition is important to performance. Every good athlete understands that. You might recall in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had just ended 40 days of prayer and fasting. How many know he was disciplining his spirit to control his body? Scripture says afterwards he came out hungry, and anytime you set out to do something for God, how many know the enemy is waiting on you to finish? Right? So soon as he ends this season, the enemy shows up and he says to, to turn that stone into bread if you are the Son of God. Notice Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, New King James Version. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now notice he said food is not enough to live. But yet all of us make sure we eat it every day. How many of y'all had breakfast this morning? If you didn't, how many of y'all going to get something to eat after service? How many of y'all watching the clock right now? All right. So, so most of us plan in the natural to eat every day. But what he just said is you can't live by bread alone, not if you're a believer. But you've got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't pick and choose which one is for you and what's not for you. He said you've got to learn how to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This verse reminds us that food is not enough for our bodies, right? But we understand that we need food for our physical bodies. I mean, we need food for our spiritual bodies as well. A strong Christian who desires to win knows the reality and the severity of the works of the enemy. Your enemy is always walking about seeking whom he may devour. I mean, you know, when he knows, when he shows up at our door, we need to have something prepared and ready that's greater than he is. Right? And so a full spirit will always give a faith response. 
Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. So we've got to learn how to live by the Word. Food is important, but the Word is more important. Most of us feed our physical bodies at least three times a day, right? And our physical bodies alert us to when we're hungry, right? Lightheadedness, all kind of different. We start maybe getting a bad attitude. I mean, I know your spirit will also alert you when it's hungry. You start acting like a non-Christian, doing things you know you shouldn't be doing. I mean, that's your spirit letting you know, I'm hungry, feed me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Amplified says, For the Word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will cut going in, and it will cut coming out, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit and the completeness of a person and of the, uh, both the joints and the, the marrow, the, the deepest part of our nature. So notice, the Word has this ability to deal with our tripart nature. I mean, the Word will keep your spirit built up, but it also keep your mind from going crazy, right? And then the Word will act like medicine to your physical body if you'll apply it to it. So this Word has this ability to be effective, to energize, and to be operative on all three levels of our existence, spirit, soul, and body, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intents of our hearts. Strong Christians who desire to win their race, they know that one snack a week is not enough. I mean, they'll come into church on Sunday morning is just one snack. Strong Christians who desire to win understand that. Physically, if you only ate one meal, between now and next Sunday, how do you all think you would look? Not good, right? And so in the natural, you know that's going to require multiple feedings to stay strong. Strong Christians who desire to win understand that, right? And so it's important that we feed ourselves and that we energize ourselves every single day. Let us not forget what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation." That's anguish, pressure, right? Those are burdens, right? That's just a part of life. If you live long enough, that is going to happen. But he said, in me, you'll have peace. So in the world, you'll have tribulation, but in me, you'll have peace, which means that even in tribulation, I mean, no, you don't have to go crazy as a result of it. You can have peace in the tribulation, and he ended that with saying, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And if you're in him and he's overcome the world, then how many know that means you overcome the world? And we've got to learn how to balance that, right? And we balance that by feeding our spirit daily. You've got to arrange your schedule around the Word of God instead of trying to make the Word of God fit into your busy schedule. You've got to make it a priority in your life, right? That means the Word of God is the priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. A lot of times we're chasing the stuff when all we've got to do is sit down, get before God, get in his word, and he'll cause all of the stuff to chase us. Reprioritize your life. I like something I heard Rick Warren say. I was at a small group conference probably about 14 years ago now, and it really just resonated with me. He said, I'm a morning person. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. And the way he disciplined himself, he said he will not eat breakfast before feeding himself the word of God. So if he wants to eat breakfast, he's got to eat the Word of God first. 
got to feed his spirit first. Now, at that time, our children were like four and two. And so I said, I can't really adopt that because we're not getting a whole lot of sleep right now. Neither one of them were in school yet. So I said, I won't go to bed before eat, eating the word or having, uh, getting the word of God and or feeding my spirit. And so I added that discipline to my life. How I many know you cannot afford to go through five days with spending no time in the word? Just look at the Snickers commercial. You will not be yourself. You won't be yourself. Feed your spirit every day. Number two, build your faith. Number two, build your faith. If you're going to win your race, you must build your faith. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and let's look at verse 6. And I'll give you some of the backdrop of verse 6. David and his men, while away, had just been attacked by the Amalekites. And the Amalekites just rushed in there and took all their wives, their children, uh, took everything while they were out uh, really pursuing another enemy army. They came back and the whole camp had been wiped out and they had taken all of their wives and their children. Let's pick the story up in verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. How many know it's okay to be distressed? Right? We're all human beings and it's okay to be a human being. Sometimes you just got to acknowledge, man, I am stressed out right now. That's not a lack of faith. Come on, somebody. Don't let nobody make you feel less than a human being because of what you're going through right now is stressing you out. The thing is, acknowledge it, but don't stay there. So David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Watch this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That word strengthened there means encouraged. Folks, you're not always going to have people around you who believe in you, who are there to encourage you. You've got to learn how to look in the mirror and say, self, I'm encouraging myself today. Self, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Self, you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. Self, greater is he that is in you than is he that is in the world. Yeah, I'm stressed out right now. It looked like the whole world is coming down on me. But God, me and you are a, a, a majority, and we will overcome this. We will conquer, and we will recover all. David encouraged himself, grabbed up his men. Come on, somebody. Went and got all the wives and all the kids and brought them back because he had this ability to encourage himself. Folks, you can't sit around and wait on somebody to encourage you. You've got to get up every day and encourage yourself. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day of opportunity. This is a day of victory. This is a day of overcoming. This is a day that I'm getting one step closer to owing no man nothing but the loving. You've got to encourage yourself every single day. Go with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Put that nugget up on the screen. Faith is your responsibility. It isn't God's. It's not even my responsibility as your pastor. It's not your spouse's responsibility. Building your faith is your responsibility. Put that nugget up there. So you build your faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how you build your faith, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at Romans 10, 17. So then faith. That word faith there is a Greek word pistis, spelled P-I-S-T. 
T-I-S. And it literally means assurance, conviction, total reliance upon, and to believe. I like something I heard Kenneth Copeland say many years ago. Faith is this ability to have no other options on the table. Simply means, God, if you can't get it done, it won't get done. And God, if it doesn't come from you, I don't want it. It's total reliance upon God. So then assurance, conviction, total reliance upon God comes by hearing, not something heard. Comes by hearing, and then it tells you what you need to hear. And hearing by the word of God. How I many know doubt comes the same way that faith comes? How I many know unbelief comes the same way that faith comes? So it's reminding you that what you need to continually hear is things that are going to build your faith. Things that are taking you in the direction of what it is that you're believing God for. Put that nugget up there, feeding your faith. Feeding your faith is the seed. Every time you plant the word of God through hearing it into your heart. How I many know you've planted the seed of the word into your heart? You planted it as a seed. Hearing it again and again is how you water the seed and build your faith. I mean, you know, most of us don't like leftovers. We usually like hot, fresh cooked meals, right? Right? And so, how I many you know you don't you can't live off of yesterday's planting or yesterday's feeding? You gotta feed it every single day. Water it every single day. Think about natural muscles. Think about it this way. Repeti repetition is the key to building strong muscles, right? There's a commercial out there where a guy gets on a, a, a I think a bigger guy gets on, I think he runs around the track one time, jumps on the scale. How many know the scale didn't move after jump running around the track one time? But a lot of times that's what we want, right? I ran one lap and now I'm ready to run a marathon. I mean, you got to do some repetitions before you run a marathon. You better get out there and work on a 3K first. Matter of fact, let's just walk a mile. <laughs> right? And then try to jog a mile. Right? And, and repetition is the key to building strong muscles. We understand that in the natural. Repetition is the key to also building strong faith. Right? To build your faith, you've got to implement some of these ideas into your daily routine. Let me give you some practical things. We live in Atlanta, Georgia. To, tra to travel 15 miles, how long would that take you in traffic? 45 minutes to an hour, right? And so why don't we use that time wisely? And let's turn our vehicles into faith-building machines. Right? How do we do that? On the way to work, on the way to church, or wherever it is we're going, listen to audio books, SoundCloud. Come on, turn on your favorite podcast so that you can build your faith. By implementing some of these ideas into your daily routine, it will keep your faith strong. Right? I want to give you another one. While you're at the gym working out, I know we all love our workout music, right? But, but instead of listening to, to that all the time, why not put on, I, I've adjusted to that. It's just something about that. I hear a good nugget on a podcast or something and run harder. Put your earbuds on and listen to some good information that's going to feed your spirit. Now, don't take this out of balance. I'm not saying that you can't never listen to things that aren't the word of God or things that don't build you up. 
But let's not also forget what the word of God tells us. It said, take heed how you hear. For with the same measure that you hear it, that's how it's going to be measured in your life. So when you start looking at the scales, you want to make sure that you're building more faith than you are doubt and unbelief. Right? And so I can't be on 107.9 all day. Y'all going to make me come down off this stage now. Come on, I can't be on 103.3 all day. Not and have strong faith. Number three, speak the word of God. Speak the word, right? So we've got to feed our spirits every day. We've got to build our faith. Then we've got to learn how to speak the word of God. See, a closed mouth won't eat. So you got to learn how to say what it is that you believe. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, we know the King James Version says, Death and life are in, are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat its fruits and bear its consequences, right? The consequences are death or life based off of what we speak. Let's read it out of the Message Bible. The rest of the Message Bible says, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, fruit you choose. Put that nugget up on the screen for me. You've heard the saying, right? You are what you eat. How many of y'all have ever heard that saying before? Right? And so in the natural, what they'll tell you, if you eat more living food, your body will be healthier. Right? How many of y'all have ever heard that before? If you eat more dead food, how many you know it's going to decay and corrupt your body faster? Right? That's just what they tell us in the natural. How many of you know it's like that in the spirit realm as well? Right? Speak more living things and you'll see more life manifested. So you've heard the saying, you are what you eat, but the Bible says, in essence, you are what you speak. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. You are what you speak. Mark chapter 11, let's read verses 22 through 24. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. You are what you speak. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. It's translated other places as have the faith of God. Have faith in God, have the faith of God, for surely I say to you, this is what the faith of God looks like, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and, says not, and does not doubt in his heart, but, delete, believe, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now we know in Jerusalem and in Israel there are mountains everywhere, right? And so Jesus was using mountains as a figure of speech. How many know a lot of times where these mountains are created are in our minds, right? Because we don't live there today, so how does that apply to us today? A lot of times we erect these mountains and these castles in our mind, right? And if you read the language here, you'll see he's talking about believing in your heart, not doubting. How I many all of that stuff happens in the mind and in the heart, right? So let's go back and read this real slowly here. We are what we speak. So notice he says here, for or surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, that's one time, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but, the, but believes that those things he says two times will be done, he will have whatever he what? Three times. Keep reading. Therefore I say to you, what things you ask when you pray, believe one time. So you believe one time, but you speak three times. 
you need to be talking three times more than what you believe it. In reality, folks, you don't believe it if you're not talking about it. Right? That means you care more about what other people think than what God says. Sometimes fear will back you in a corner and you'll say, I don't want to put that out there because what if that doesn't happen? And what God is saying, put it out there so I can show everybody how powerful I am. Especially if it aligns itself with his will. Can't be afraid to live this way, folks. Everybody will tell you what you can't do. And everybody will tell you what, you, what won't happen. But it doesn't really matter what they're saying about your situation. It only matters what you're saying about your situation. Right? So now, when do you have it? When you believed. And when you prayed. Right? And if you don't learn how to add that to who you are, because that's where we're going today. You got to believe the moment you prayed and believed. That's the moment it started. It was on the way. Watch this. Let's prove it, right? Believe that you receive it, and you will have it. See, that's, it's, it's coming. Somebody say it's coming. It's coming the moment I believed it. How do I know I believed it? I talk about it all the time. We're getting ready to own that 33 acres over there debt-free. We're getting ready to own that strip mall over there debt-free. You're going to drive up on this campus one day and say, man, they own the whole thing. Somebody will say, you shouldn't say that, Pastor. Y'all just bought this building. You got to give a little. No, man, you can't afford not to talk this way. One time, my wife and I, we were at a restaurant, and we ran into a pastor. He was there with his board. He was congratulating us on our building. This is what he said to me. He said, man, congratulations on that building, but I know it's going to take us about 15, 20 years to get there. I said, man, you can't afford to say stuff like that. And then I went over to his board, and I said, you all need to protect him from saying stuff like that. Because it will take 15 to 20 years if that's what he's saying. So strong Christians speak the word and the word only, right? And they speak that even to those who live and love and are all around them. See, I, I know who loves me based off of what they speak about me. Right? And when you really say that you love people, speak the word over their lives. Come on, speak the word about them. Don't speak doubt and unbelief. Don't speak anything that you don't want to happen in your life. Right? Speak life about them if you really love them. I know your kid is not doing everything that you want him to be, but speak life into the kid. Say, God, you said if I train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. When you see your child, say, boy, God looks so good on you. And they might be smoking, drinking. Come on, somebody. But you've got to speak life and speak what you want to see so you can see it. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Let's begin reading at verse 5. Matthew chapter 8. Strong Christians who desire to win their race, win their race, they know how to speak the word and the word only over their lives and the lives of they, those that they really love and who are all around them. Matthew chapter 8, 5 and 10. Let's begin reading at verse 5. Now Jesus entered the village of Capernaum. A captain, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Now, the King James Version says a centurion soldier, which means someone that was outside of God's chosen people, Gentiles, right, was asking Jesus for a miracle. You'll be surprised, folks. Sometimes people can come right off the street and get something from God that people have been in church all their lives can't get because they don't have all that stuff to work through. 
He asked for a miracle. How many of y'all need a miracle today? Let me tell you what a miracle is. A miracle is God's divine intervention into the natural course of things, doing for you what you can't do for yourself. How many of y'all are in a situation where if God doesn't do it, you can't see how it's going to get done? Then you need a miracle, right? Let me give you something to add to that. So the centurion or the Roman soldier pro approached him, Roman captain approached him and said, asking for a miracle. He said, Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. Look at this man's response. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority, and I have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go, and he'll go, and another to come, and he'll come. I order my servants, and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that you, all you need to do is to stand here and command healing over my son, and he will be instantly healed. Do you all understand what this outsider just said? He said, Jesus, I don't even want to waste your time. I don't want to take up any more of your time by having you walk all the way to my house. All I need you to do is stand right here and commanded my son will be healed. Listen to what he said. And he said, my son will be healed tomorrow. Is that what he said? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Guess what, folks? He actually ended up having what he said. There's no distance in prayer. Jesus was astonished when he heard this. And he said to all of those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. The chosen one. So he had greater faith than anyone I've ever encountered. You know why? Because he had this ability to believe the word of God and the word of God only. How many of y'all need healing in your body right now? Stand to your feet if you need physical healing in your body. You don't need me to come to you. You just need to believe what God says. All right? Two groups of people today. If you need physical healing in your body, say these words after me. Say them like you mean it and believe it. Lift both hands up to the Father. That's a position of surrender and a position of receiving. Say these words to me. Say, Father God, I believe that by your stripes I am healed right now. Now go ahead and thank him for it. Come on. Come, come on, don't pity Pat. Go ahead and come on, open up your mouth. Release your faith. Come on, give God thanksgiving for it. If you really believe that. Healing will hit your body. You can be seated. If you need a miracle in here, stand up on your feet. You don't need healing. You need a miracle. Stand on your feet. You need a miracle. You need God to intervene into the normal course of things. Say this after me. Say, Father God, I believe you are God. There is nothing too difficult for you. And all things are possible to me because I'm a believer. So, Father God, I ask you for a miracle. Whatever it is, ask him for it right now.
Now say this by faith. And say, Father, I receive my miracle now. Now go ahead and thank him for it. Come on, go ahead and thank him for it. Come on, don't play around with that. Come on, thank him for it. You can be seated because we're going to take you further in this message. To get to a place where you speak the word over every situation, you've got to work on mastering the first two habits, feeding your spirit and building your spirit. By putting God's word in your heart on a daily basis, speaking his word will become your knee-jerk reaction. You know what I mean, knee-jerk? When a situation arises, whatever is in you getting ready to fly out, you don't have time to go feed it and build it at that time. When that pressure show up, you're getting ready to find out what you believe, right? I remember I was at World Harvest Church, Pastor Rob Parsley, about 27 years ago with my mother at their camp meeting, and they had an evangelist there named R.W. Schambach. Some of y'all too, too young to even try to understand who he is. Google him or, or something. Like that. That's what my kids would do. When you're talking to them, they don't even listen to you no more. They just Google it. They fact check everything that you say. Right? And so he was talking about uh, along these lines, and he said he was preaching. If I said this other evangelist's name, everyone in this room who's over 40 would know who he is, right? And so this real large evangelist, right, he said they were preaching together on the stage at a tent meeting outside, and it was for people in the streets. The people didn't like what they were saying, and they started taking rotten eggs, right? He said these eggs smell so horrible, they started taking rotten eggs and throwing them at them. Right? And he said he looked up and the other evangelist started cussing right back at the people, picking the eggs back up, throwing them right back at her, calling them, you mother. And he said at the same time, he started praising God. How many know when that pressure shows up, whatever's in your heart's going to fly right out of your mouth? So you don't have time to get ready because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Come on, somebody ought to give God a real good praise right there. Number four, we have this, well, I can't go by it. Go to Romans chapter four. Thank you. God uses words to call those things that be not as though they were. And how many of you know we can do the same? God does that and we can do the same. Romans 4, 17, the Passion Translation says here, that's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you Abraham, father of many nations. He, Abraham, is our example and our father, right? He's Father Abraham. In Abraham, we are blessed, right? We are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. For in God's presence, he believed that God could raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. How many know you can act just like God and call into being things that don't even exist yet? Right? But it's not coming if you don't call it. Closed mouths don't eat. Right? I'm thinking about a dog that I had growing up. Uh, his name was Luke. We called him Luke because he was a great physician. His job was to carve up anybody who came inside that gate that didn't need to be there. But every now and then, Luke would dig under the fence and get away and get out. Right? Usually, you'll find him running around with a little female somewhere running around. He's, something happened to him. He had, I got to get out. I something going on. He gets out, breaks out. And so I would come out the side door and call him, Luke. Luke would never, he didn't show up. So that's how I knew he got out. But I never panicked. I would just get in my car. 
right, and drive up and down East Street real slowly, yelling out my window, Luke! And without fail, eventually what would happen, because I'm driving slow, I'd look over on the side of my vehicle, and Luke would be running on the side of the car. What am I saying to you, folks? Call what doesn't exist into existence. I know you're looking at lint in your pocket, but call your bank accounts full. Come on, somebody. Come on, call your life debt-free. Call your church full. Call a building paid off. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm talking about whatever it is. It's not happening. It's not coming if you're not calling it. Number four, you've got to learn how to do the word. Got to learn how to do the word. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, the Amplified says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts. Notice, actively and continually obey. Not merely listeners who hear the word, but fail to eat, internalize its meaning. Deluding yourselves by, I love this, unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. See, a lot of times we do it to ourselves, but you get around the wrong people, they'll help you do some, some unsound reasoning too, right? You, you, you ain't been married in this long. Why, 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 what are you still talking about? You're getting married. So, see, there's all kind of stuff. Well, I'm past the age or whatever. We do all kind of stuff. How I many know you can't afford to do any of that? That's called unsound reasoning. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, get it out of your thinking and don't hang around people who put that thinking in your head. Or if they do, correct them immediately. Verse 23 says here, For if anyone who listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. Self-explanatory. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides in it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, watch this, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. Right? So we can't, what, feed our spirits, build our faith, speak the word of God, and have no intention on doing it. All of that is what gets us to the place where we should be ready to release now and do what it is that we believe. Which means if I'm believing God to be debt free, I need to start heading down that road or I'm not believing that. I need to cut up some credit cards. Come on, somebody. I need to stop charging stuff and I need to start paying stuff off. Or guess what? I'm not believing to be debt free. Come on, somebody. If I'm believing to get married, I need to be working out, getting my physical body in shape, getting my mind right. Come on, somebody. Getting my finances in order or I'm not believing to get married. I'm hoping I get married. Come on, only, uh, come on. You, you can say all day long, I want to live a healthier life. But if you go to McDonald's when you leave here, you don't believe that. Hello, I'm not saying anything about McDonald's, but I'm talking about if you don't start adjusting your lifestyle and making healthier choices and getting out and exercising somewhere, you are not doing what you believe. Control your thought life. Number five, control your thought life. I'm going to go through this quickly. It's 12.05. Control your thought life. How many of you know our mind can go all kind of ways, places? If you're like me, boy, if you don't bring it in, you'll be all over the place. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You ever just had to say that from time to time? Wait a minute. Why am I sitting here thinking like that? 
Come on, am I the only one? Come on, somebody help. Don't leave me. Am I the only one? Hold on, you just sit there for a minute. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Bring it back. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. The Amplified Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will be successful. When? When you don't let the word depart from your mouth and you meditate on it day and night and you're careful to do everything that is written therein, then you're going to make your way prosperous and then you're going to have good success. I have a question for you. Put that nugget up there on the screen. Is your thought life healthy or toxic? No one knows that but you because I know we're not in your head. So no one knows that. So there's no sense in looking around the room. We know what we think about, right? So is your thought life health, healthy or toxic? The mind, the spirit, and the body are all interconnected, right? Psychologists, doctors, they all know today that depression and all these forms of mental oppression lead to sickness and disease. Well, where does depression and oppression, where does all of that come from? Our thought lives in a lot of cases and experiences, unforgiveness, things we won't let go. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is one of the leaders in this field for Christianity, put that quote up on the screen. She shared the connection between thoughts and overall success in life. When it comes to taking control of your thoughts, this is what she has to say. She says, thoughts are real things. They occupy real estate in your brain. Bring all thoughts into captivity. Our brain is designed to do that. And when you do, your brain will start operating correctly. So notice, bad thoughts can affect how your brain operates, which leads to mental illness. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. So look at how do we address that. For though, New King James Version, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So, see, it's not people on people. People are not your problem. Stop fighting people. Hello. When you really mature in this, you realize nobody's trying to hurt you because there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper. You got to learn how to love people and not fight people. People cannot stop you from getting where God designed for you to get to. Don't fight people. From today forward, definitely not your spouse. Your spouse is not your enemy. It's never flesh on flesh. As you mature in the things of God, you'll recognize that. As soon as it starts heating up like that, you got to remove yourself from it. You got to learn how to recognize God's not in that. And I'm not getting ready to partner with the devil and be a part of that. Y'all are remove yourself from it, right? Notice what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know what strongholds are? Fortresses and castles that we erect in our mind through bad thoughts. I mean, some people have a little bungalow in there. Others got a 16-room mansion up in there, right? 
What do we do with that when we erect these castles and these strongholds? We've got to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Watch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So to bring every thought into captivity, we've got to begin focusing on what we're thinking about. Don't just let your mind wander. Think about what you're thinking about and pay attention to it, right? When your thoughts begin to wander off to thoughts like you're not going to get healed, you're going to die, you'll never get promoted, your church will never grow, you're going to fail, you've got to know how to capture those thoughts and then cast them down. You've got to resist them. You can never let thoughts that go in your head, you can never let them go unanswered. Because when they go unanswered, they built another layer in your mind. And so you've got to learn how to say, I'm not taking that thought. So when the devil tells you you're going to die, you've got to say, no, I'm not taking that thought. I will live and not die. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his deliverance. Come on, somebody. You've got to learn how to do that. Come on, you got to learn how to do that. When the devil says that, that, that you're going to fail and you're going to lose your house, the money won't show up, you got to say, no, 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 I resist that. I will not take that thought. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Come on, when the devil comes to you and says, you will never get married and you're a female, you've got to say, no, no, I resist that. I will not take that thought. The Bible says, God says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I am a good thing that is waiting to be found. And so he is on his way. Come on, somebody, because he needs the favor of God in his life that will be on him in a greater way after I come into his life. Never let thoughts go unanswered in your head. Resist those thoughts. Number six here, practice rejoicing. Now I'm getting ready to give you a chance. I mean, we can't feed our spirit. We can't build our faith. We can't speak the word. Come on, somebody. We can't control our, our thought life, and we don't know how to give God glory for what he's already brought to us. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to get all the way to that point and then stop. We sung about it a little earlier. Psalms 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall what? Be continually, where at? In my mouth. Closed mouths don't eat. I will bless the Lord when? At all times. And his praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. The uh, Passion Translation reads it this way. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. Bursting with joy. My lips are full of perpetual praise. The word perpetual means continual praise. Lord, I am bursting with joy over what you've done for me. Come on, has God done anything good for anyone in this building? Listen very carefully. Did you know that praise is a language? It's the language of faith. It's the language of winners. It's the language of receiving. A strong, disciplined Christian who wants to win his race is fluent in rejoicing and praise. If praise is continually in your mouth, does that mean only when it's good? How I many y'all know anybody can praise God when it's good? 
It takes faith to praise God when things are not going good. So if you believe you receive what you've asked, the next thing to do then is to thank God for it. Now watch this. I'm going to give you something a little extra on this. And if it hasn't manifested, you know what praise says? I know it's coming. Come on, I just need a little bit of faith in this room today. Believers who win their race, they know that there's a connection between praise and strength. When you say you're not strong, check your praise life, check your rejoicing life, right? Because Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord I'm going to go ahead and give you a little chance to act on, on something today. I want to, it's not for me. I want you to see where your faith is at today. I want you to see it. Anybody got some faith in this place? Anybody got some faith in this place? You might need to move and promise her with your body, but we declare today, we declare today, say breakthroughs, you are the God, you are the God of the breakthroughs, when I can't, when I can't see my way through, and I really don't know, we look to you. My mind, breakthrough in my spirit, breakthrough in my soul, breakthrough in my weakness, breakthrough in my struggle. You are the God, you are the God of the breakthrough when I worship, breakthrough when I praise, breakthrough when I live, glorify your name, breakthrough when I dance, breakthrough when I shout. You are the God, everybody say it now. Breakthrough in my heart, breakthrough in my mind, breakthrough in my spirit, breakthrough in my soul. Let's go. 
that you have your breakthrough today. Come on, give God your best shout. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Breakthrough. Hallelujah. 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 All right. Now listen. I got one more point for you today because I stood over there and watched. And you got people in here who can't move. And remember, closed mouths don't eat. See, when I can't praise and I can't rejoice, it's because I really don't believe I already have it. Let me give you some insight to that. Sit down. Point number seven, and we'll close. Yeah. I think, I think we'll close. I think. Let's look at number seven. Number seven, you got to learn how to get rid of the extra baggage. See, a lot of times we got a lot of weights holding us down. A lot of stuff going on in our head keeping us from releasing. Right? Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Amplified. Got to let go of the weight. How many of you can run faster when you get rid of the weight? Come on, somebody. Don't take four years to get somewhere. You can get there in four weeks. You'll let go of some of that extra baggage. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are sur surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight. See, so we're not talking about sin right there. How I many know we're going to have a lot of worry, anxiety, Come on, unforgiveness, right? Just a lot of weights that we don't need to be carrying around. Got to learn how to get rid of that. Strip it off. Come on, somebody begin to strip it off right now by faith. With all that worry and doubt and unbelief, unforgiveness, judging people and judging. And the weight and the sin, which just so easily beset us. See, some of us, we just got to let it go. Right? You know more about that than anyone else in this room, so there's no need to call out stuff. But every way, you know, sometimes that's people too. And you've got to learn how to really live by this. If their presence in your life doesn't add value, then their absence won't either. Some of y'all going to catch that when you leave here today. 
And we end up hanging on to all these people and situations that are adding no value to our lives. You can run faster, believe it or not, without it. You'll find in the kingdom that less is actually more. So easily and cleverly entangles us. And then notice, let us run our race with endurance and active persistence, the race that is set for us. I want to give a physical illustration. Do I have a strong man in here today? Somebody works out, thinks he's strong, spend time in the gym, work out. You do? All right, come on, big fella. We're going to test you out. I just want to show you this. You, you think you're pretty you fast, too? You can move a little bit. Go down there to that door. And don't run into that young lady, whatever God's doing with her. I just want to show you something here. I'm going to put you on the clock, okay? All right? Take your jacket off. You don't need to do that. Get loose. I'm going to put you on the clock. Now, you all stopping from hitting that door, but I want you to run right there to that trainer that's standing at that door. He'll be able to slow you down. On the count of three. Matter of fact, let's go a little longer. I want you to go ahead and take one lap around the building. And can we cheer him on as he goes? Can we cheer him on? Get on your mark. Get set. Go. That boy got a little speed. That boy got a little speed about him. Man, that boy got a little speed about him. Stay right there. 17.34 seconds. Come on, he ready for the Olympics. Now, is there a, a four, five, six, or seven-year-old kid in this room, male in particular? Stay right there. Oh, no, no, you, you're just getting warm. That was a warm-up lap. Is there a young kid in this audience? Right, bring him on down. Come on down, big fella. Come on down. You're in the message today. You're going to be on TV, Facebook Live. Come on, let's cheer him on as he comes down. Remember this time, 17.34. 17.34. You're going to have to take that, that suit to the cleaners after the day. Come on down here, young fella. Cheer him on. Yeah, get you. Stretch out, loosen your back up a little bit. Now we're going to put a little weight on him. Okay, now I want you to jump up on his back. Jump up on his back. Hold on tight now. What was his first time? 17.34. Now let's see how long it takes him with a little weight on his back. Since, he is, since he's so strong and in good shape. Get on your mark. Get set. Go. Cheer him on. Watch your knees now. Watch your knees. Come on, cheer him on. Come on, cheer him on. Come on, cheer him on. Yeah, put him down and bend, stretch out a little bit. Go ahead and stretch out a little bit. Come on, let's give that young man a big round of applause. Send him over here for a minute. Send that young man over here. 
for being an active participant today. Take that $20, man. Go on back up there to your mom. Go back up there to your mom. Help him get to his mom. Now, he went from 17.34 with no weight. 24.30 with weight. So notice the weight slowed him down. See, a lot of you all think it takes years to get somewhere. It can take days, weeks, and months if you'll get rid of some of the weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us. Let's all stand to our feet. Did you all get anything out of this today? TC, you're such a good sport today, man. $30, man. Take you and your wife out. Take all of that, man. Go get something to eat. Okay? Appreciate you for being a good sport today. Now, I know you all can only see what left. Let me tell you what faith sees. Faith never sees the seed that was sown. Faith sees the harvest that's on its way back. I want you to lift your hands to the Father. And I want you to begin by faith, declaring that you're going to strip off the unnecessary weights. Go ahead, just talk to you and God. It's just you and Him. And if there's sin in your life, Come on, leave it at the altar today. Leave it in this worship center. Declare before God it's, it's not going to be a part of your future. Come on, get rid of the weights. You can run faster. And you can get to your goals a whole lot quicker. There's a term out here called streamlining. You just listen and continue to talk to the Father. There's a term out here called streamlining. It's a pretty important concept in aerodynamics. To streamline is to reduce resistance, creating a faster and smoother journey. It is studied by NASA engineers, airline pilots, shipbuilders, and even athletes. The idea is to remove anything that would slow a craft or a person down. The ultimate goal in streamlining is optimum performance and a victorious outcome. This is what God is calling us to do in our spiritual lives. He's telling us to strip off every weight and the sin and the things that are slowing us down. He's telling us to streamline our lives so that we can experience the ultimate victory that he's already provided for us. So again, what kind of baggage are you carrying today? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? What is it? Strip it off. Streamline. Every day, get up and think about the things that could potentially slow you down and get rid of those things so you can travel faster and you can travel further. Let's all lift our hands to the Father. And so while we're in an attitude of prayer today, I know the Spirit of God has dealt with hearts all around this room. Part of the challenge is the reason a person may not be winning their race is because they're not on the right team. And I want to invite you today to be a part of the greatest family ever known to man, to be on the greatest team ever known to man, to really run with the, the true goat, the greatest of all times, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave, if you don't have a relationship with the Father through his Son, I'm inviting you today to come and be a part of his family. That's a great way to streamline. Let's just kick the devil straight out of your life. Secondarily,